Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I am the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, the amazing done-for-you newsletter program used by over 1,200 small business owners in nine different countries. And I'm also the host of Dream Business Radio for the last 10 years, where every week I bring you a great guest and some information strategies, maybe a little bit of inspiration to help you build your dream business. And this week is no exception. My special guest is my own personal trademark attorney, Renee Duff. Renee, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jim. Oh, it's so great to see you again. I was, we were just, um, I haven't seen Renee since she spoke at one of my events in, uh, it was New England. Actually, I could see if I can make this happen or not. I don't know. Um, oh, I don't, I don't know if you can see that, Renee. <laughs> But yes, I can. <laughs> there you are on stage at Dream Business Academy. So, all right. Uh, I knew it would take. I knew it would cover us. But anyway, the um, that that was a lot of fun. Hey, folks! This episode of Dream Business Radio, the live special live edition, is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Why is that? Because it's my show. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner who wants to grow a more profitable business faster, and especially if you want to learn how to create multiple streams of revenue in your business, something you should definitely do. You want to be part of this extraordinary virtual mastermind led by me, Captain Jim. You can learn more at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you how to get free copies of my books. But for now, I want to suggest that you actually get a report that I did. Let me see, where is it? Right there. There it is. It's how to create multiple streams of revenue in your business. And I detail, I think it's about 21 pages, less a few pictures. It's probably 17 pages. But I detail in, in, in uh, well, I tell you in detail, I want to say detail twice, exactly how I went from one business to three to six. Now I'm kind of back down to three as I kind of near the exit ramp, so to speak. But you can read this report, learn how to do it in your business. I'm telling you, not only is it a great thing to generate a higher income because a lot of people they who have high incomes do so by having multiple streams of revenue, but I'm telling it, you, you sleep so much better at night. Okay. <laughs> Let me go back to my, um, where's that graphic it's right there. Okay. Now we're ready to go. I, it's one of these days I'll get a producer who can actually control all those buttons for me. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get going. I'm going to introduce Renee and we'll dive right in. This is a very important topic. My uh, jovality, notwithstanding, <laughs> Renee Duff is managing partner for the trademark practice at the New York office of Nolte, Lackenbach, Siegel. Over the course of her career, she has managed intellectual property assets from a business law firm and in-house perspective. The experience provides an uncommon combination of insight that makes her a valuable resource for clients on issues related both to business and legal aspects of intellectual property, the creative and entrepreneurial spirit that is so often found within the, within the area of law is what she thrives on. Cause Renee is very smart entrepreneur 
not notwithstanding her, her law degree. Renee has protected and managed thousands of trademarks, copyrights, and domain names and has advised on various issues related to intellectual property in several capacities. As I mentioned, Renee is my personal trademark attorney. I highly recommend her. She's also a skilled photographer, which was the spark that initially fueled her interest in pursuing the practice of law. I don't know how you get from taking pictures to law, but anyway, Renee, welcome again. I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to have a great show today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. And you haven't changed a bit. I think, let's say Dream Business Academy, that was Rhode Island that I showed. I'm going to say that was 2015 or 2016. I think it was 2016, actually. I don't know if, if that rings a bell to was, you or yeah, not. Yeah, 16 or 17. It was in that. It was a while ago. <laughs> I know. It was a lot of fun. That was the first year. No, it was 2017 because Stephanie and I, it was the first year we took our boat to Rhode Island. And I said, well, if I'm going to do one, let's do it here. So anyway, so I want all my listeners to know that trademarks, copyrights might not seem like a super sexy topic like podcasting, copywriting, marketing, all that. But it's very, very important in this ever-expanding online business world that we all operated in. I've known Renee a long time, and as I said, she and her team helped me um, get two national trademarks. One of them, um, we had to actually, Renee really had to pull out all the, the tricks, so to speak, because we got denied the first time. It was for no hassle newsletters, and the term no hassle, this uh, bureaucrat thought, well, that's going to be confusing with the no hassle credit card, <laughs> I think. Something like that. But anyway, so Renee, I want to ask you, first of all, we'll just we'll set the table a little bit. Um, trademark versus copyright. Like what's the difference? So that's a common question. And it's funny because people often think they're going to copyright their uh, invention or trademark their their. So anyway, so a trademark is basically think of that as your brand. That okay. is the the name that people are coming to you to get their your product or service for. So if you just think of it as your brand, that really is it can be a name, it can be a slogan, it can be a, a logo. Um, all of those different things can be uh, trademarks, but they really uh, the wording that is in the uh, the copyright or the, the trademark uh, legal terminology is it designates mm -hmm. the source of the goods or the services. So it's just, you know, telling you, differentiating you from somebody else. Um, and then if you go to copyright, copyright is really more of the, um, when you create something. So if you uh, have written a book, if you've done a screenplay, if you've written um, a sales letter, um, anything that you have, and here the legal term is fixed it in a tangible medium. So if you've mm. written it down, you've videoed it, you've done anything like that, that is eligible for copyright protection. And a lot of it's times they're layered. It's interesting you say um, sales letters. Some of the other stuff you're mentioning, I said, okay, I get that, I get that. So a sales letter, now would that be something that's just on a website? Would it be a, something that gets direct mailed? Both of them could be copyrighted? Both of them. And you know, we've seen a lot as, as time goes on and more and more people are moving their businesses to online platforms, um, copyright becomes important because if somebody, you know, uh, you know, goes out there and just takes your sales letter because you did a great job and plops it into their own, um, into their own funnel, um, that's a copyright violation. So mm. you can, you can have them, um, you know, make them stop. So this goes back years. I don't even know if you remember this, but, um, 
One of the early websites that I created for No Hassle Newsletters is back when I, I was called the Newsletter Guru and all this and that. And um, so I wrote, it was a very long form sales letter, which I learned how to do through, you know, Glazer Kennedy and some of the other copywriters. And um, it was it was obviously working well for me. And then all of a sudden, and just some search, I found what said, oh, what's my website doing under this domain? Somebody actually copied and pasted my entire sales letter to their website. They called it something different, offering a similar service. All my stuff, and, and they actually left a name or two that only referenced me. <laughs> I'm like, so we took screenshots, we video, we did everything. Because as soon as I notified them, cease and desist, it came down. But people are really well, ballsy, I guess would be a word I could say in prime time, right? Yeah, we see it. it you'd be shocked. I mean, and at this point, I've been doing this for a long time, and I still sometimes I just shake my head that people are that ballsy is the good term. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of the people that are interact with me and, and watch the podcast, listen to the podcast, um, they're content creators, right? So if if you're following any marketing advice for me, you know, you got to be out there. You got to be building your brand. You got to be creating a lot of content, which could mean blog posts, um, all the social media and things. I mean, not everybody's going to run out and copyright all that. Is some of it assumed copyright, right? Or how, how does that work? Nobody, nobody goes out and, and copyrights every blog post. I've probably written, I think we're over 300 in the last several years. I obviously didn't do anything with those. No, but so the law, the way that things are structured with copyright is that as soon as you, again, fix it into a tangible medium, you own the copyright on it. So just and by fix you creating it, that it, means my website, my blog post, that's fixing yes. it, right? That's attached to yes. me. So, okay. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's different from just having an idea in your head. Like you can't protect an idea in any way until you have put it into a tangible form. So, okay. you know, if you've written it down, you've done it, then you then you have something to protect. So the way that this works now is, yes, as soon as you create it, as soon as you do that blog post, that's copyright to you. In order to be able to file uh, a lawsuit in federal court, which is where copyrights get uh, get contested, you have to have a registration with the trade with the copyright office. So hmm. you don't have to do that initially, but there are huge benefits to actually filing your copyrights before somebody infringes it, which basically and mostly pertain to the the remedies that you're you, you would have available to you. So that would be your damages and and other um, things that would work in your favor if you had the registration first. You don't need that registration first, though. So um, you know, I, I'm, so it's I'm a little suit. confused. Um... If you're so, if you write a bunch of blog posts, then you then and but you don't go to that step, and then you find mm -hmm. out a bunch. Some people are ripping you off, just copying your stuff, using it as their own. Is it too late to do that step before you sue them or not? No, no, you okay. can absolutely do that. But again, if if the infringement takes place before um, you have it registered, then you lose out on on certain things. You, you don't lose out on everything, but it, and you can still do that. A lot of times, though, too, if you're just, you know, if you see that somebody's taken your work and, you know, you can send them a cease and desist letter that says, mm -hmm. you know, this is my copyrighted work. Um, you know, it's helpful, obviously, if you can attach an actual copyright certificate to your letter, but um, it doesn't have to get that far. And a lot of times, you know, copyright and things like that, it um, 
people don't want to have to get into court because it's expensive and time consuming and all of that. So a lot of it can be resolved um, before you get to that place. But if you ever, if it gets that far where you actually have to go into court, you do need to file the, um, the, the copyright registration. Um, so with social media and some people describe it as the wild, wild west. So if you have your website, your domain, your blog, that's, that's sort of built in when you publish it. What if you publish a blog post on like on your Facebook? Now you don't own Facebook. Are there any protections if you post or LinkedIn, for example, if you post some content there that you wrote, is there any protection there or that's not your space that you own? You have to be very careful with where you post things because sometimes if you read through the terms and conditions of the site, it will say anything you put on our site becomes they our own copyright. everything. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to balance that knowing, okay, um, I, is it worth me getting the exposure and having that large of a platform to, you know, to have things on versus, um, you know, owning all of that and knowing that you've, you know, you're in for a, a good fight if you, you try to, you know, complain to them. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'm known as somebody who's quite prolific, both in blog, I create new memes all the time, I have my own Jimism sayings and stuff like that, which I'm always promoting. And I remember early on, I'll just own up to this, I see people would copy it and just use it, it really pissed me off, right? But then I figured, somebody said, just keep going, just keep going. The lead dog's always got people behind him, right? And so am I going to... Am I going to take the time and go after somebody and say, hey, that's mine or blah, blah, blah. So I kind of adopted that. I don't even know if I should be saying that now, but I kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to keep creating my own stuff. And if you feel better just taking my stuff and using it, I, it's not worth my, I guess it's not worth a fight for me. That's, you know, and that's where as an attorney, I have to I counsel a lot of clients that, you know, there's there is there's a a. a cost benefit analysis of what you're doing because a lot of times it is are you the lead person out there and is it something that you know by being the first and by you know putting it out there is that helping you more than um you know than keeping it you know for you and yeah that's any intellectual property that you own um you know the rights that you get you get the right to let people use it or you get the right to let tell people not to use it and you have that choice and you know you have to balance again what you're letting people use what you're not letting people use because also the way that you um the way that you decide to allow those rights may come back and haunt you at some point because you've let all of these people do these things and then, and then all you of come sudden, down on one person right, yeah right and not to mention know, the cost of hiring an attorney. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I know. And that's, you know, and I have to get there. There is there are some new um, mechanisms that the, the government agencies, the trademark office and the copyright office are trying to put into place to make things a little bit more cost effective okay. for, um, you know, disputes because they know, you know, if you go into a copyright infringement lawsuit or a trademark infringement lawsuit, it's a federal lawsuit. And there is a reason they say don't make a federal case of it because uh. it is expensive and it is, you know, it it brings up a whole lot of, of issues that small businesses just don't have the money or the, um, the, the desire. Right. Yeah. Exactly. To, to be able to handle these things. So speaking of wild, wild west, um, 
I don't want to name names or, or firms or some of the law firms. I'm sure you're very familiar with them, but I see people like would just, you see this common images that people, the two hands shaking and the graph with the arrow going, yeah. <laughs> there's certain things and you know, they didn't create it. Therefore they probably just save image. They saw it and saved it. That most of those are protected by copyright from the creator. Right. So, but it's, it's like, so you're not allowed to do that without permission. That's my first question. Correct. Correct. And that's, um, you know, that goes back again, whoever created it has the right to tell people to, to use it or they can use it or they can't use it and to charge mm -hmm. them whatever they want. But when you get into those very common images, it, it gets frustrating. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't want to go down the, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but everybody that's listening, I know you're familiar with, there's a few firms who go after you like with a vengeance, scare the living hell out of you because, oh, I saw you use this picture. You owe us like, you know, $12,000 or even a thousand dollars, whatever. So you got to be really careful where, where you get your stuff. Anyway, um, what about like domain name protection? Is it possible to, I mean, obviously getjimpalmer.com, no hassle newsletters, et cetera. Those are my domains, so somebody can't use them. But can somebody, I remember in, in, when I was in that franchising, the uh, attorney said, you got to be very careful with the logo because if, it, if it's too close to something else and it causes confusion in the marketplace, I think that was his terminology. So how, how careful do you have to be that way? Or, or probably the better question, how do you watch out when somebody's trying to copy your stuff? And I don't mean just somebody copying my sales letter, but if somebody creates a company very, very close, but not quite like no hassle newsletters. Right. Well, that, that brings us mostly into trademark, which is where okay. like we're in copyright, a lot of the, you know, you have to be taking it wholesale, you know, everything is the same. And, and that way, you know, they're, they're basically plagiarizing what the common term that people would understand, you know, plagiarizing what you've already done. So if it's identical, then you have, you know, a claim in copyright. Whereas in trademark, what happens is that's where the likelihood of confusion comes in. And that's the threshold that you're always looking for. If somebody sees this mark or this logo um, and thinks, that oh this must these goods or services must come from you know Jim Palmer because you know it's so similar to his and mm -hmm. you know they add they tack you know another word on to the end of it or you know just any of that so that's where you're always looking at is, is somebody going to look at it and say I think that that product comes from someplace else because I'm so used to seeing that other product and um you know, they give you a little, uh, they call it like the likely zone of expansion in trademark where, hmm. um, so say you are a clothing company and, you know, you have a registration for a trademark or you use a trademark for your, you know, your clothing goods. It's very common for people that do clothing to also maybe then do um, uh, handbags or do uh, something, um, even now, you know, they go into perfume lines or personal care product lines. So even though these things would fall into different classes of goods and services, which is how the trademark office basically, they lump everything into um, 45 classes. And so okay. then, which is great, you know, for the applicant or whatever, because then if the trademark office is saying, okay, so you're doing clothing, but we see somebody over here wants to apply for handbags, 
they're going to block the handbag application if it came after you because, again, there's a likelihood of confusion that or that people will think that the things come from the same source. So we go back to the designation of source. So there's various classes of trademarks. So um, if somebody was creating a lot their own online courses, um, you know, digital courses where they teach people how to do something, is that something that should be trademarked or is that copyrighted? Because once you put it on the website, it's protected that way. It can be both. And okay. that's, you know, that's um, so intellectual property does it. We kind of talk about it in its layered protection. So the name of the course would be trademarked, um, you know, whatever that is. And then the actual content would be copyrighted. Hmm. Is there something I seem to remember long time ago when we talked, there was like a, a trademark search. In other words, is that something that only an attorney can do or are there websites? I'm not telling people to go work without an attorney, <laughs> but sorry, maybe Jim, there's no such thing. <laughs> but is, if you wanted to pursue a trademark, how do you find out if somebody's got something that's close or the same thing? Do you need to go through an attorney or is there a database that exists? So there is, you know, and, and this has become sort of the, the problem with the way and why the trademark office is so backed up right now, because uh -huh. it's, you can search yourself and, you know, and any, you know, and the disclaimer is, you know, you should always contact an attorney and let them, you know, take a look at what you're doing. Um, and that, you know, and this is not, you know, actual advice for you, but you can go to the uspto.gov and there's, you know, a search function there. The problem okay. is the thing that people get caught up into is they may put their exact term in there and say they've changed, you know, instead of an I, they have a Y because, oh, that makes it different from mm. whatever else they see out there. And if they put it in as a Y, that initial search function at the trademark office is, and if there's nothing there, it's not going to pull up anything that has the I. But trademark rights also, you have to look at things phonetically um, and, and how all of that works. So while it's you can get an idea um, of whether something's available or not just by searching at the trademark office, it, it really is a good idea to have somebody who's, you know, knows what they're doing, um, you know, take a look at it. Yeah. I mean, when you and I worked together years ago on No Hassle Newsletters, um, I'm always somebody who believes I, I know what my zone of expertise is. I'm hiring everything. So, and that's how we met. Right. And, um, initially without giving away all, all of my very expensive legal advice, I'm just kidding with Renee again, just, but it, it initially came back denied and the, and it be, because, um, I, it was capital one that was running the no hassle, but it was no hassle right. credit cards, no hassle. Is, right. And it was like, how ridiculous is that? And, I thought, well, we're going to give up because it's the government and you found a way to make it happen. And I got the the trademark. So that, I mean, I am pro attorney, believe me, I'm still having some fun here. <laughs> it, what is the, what is the likelihood of success if somebody goes through, because you do have to pony up some money. It's not just if it works, I pay you, you, you do have to pony up the money right. first. What's the likelihood of success? Is there such a thing as an average when going on or not? It's really, it depends on what you're applying for. And that's why it really is a good idea to do a search first, because if you, then we can kind of look at it and say, okay, well, these things could be a problem. And if they are, then maybe we can argue 
Um, and then there's other times where, you know, we'll look at something and I'll be like, mm, no, <laughs> just mm. don't go there because, you know, even though um, we could potentially argue or whatever, it just, if you haven't started your business or your product and aren't offering under a name yet, and it something comes back as, you know, having an issue, then it just doesn't make sense to go down that road because you're going to spend way more money and time and effort than you want to. So it, it makes sense to just regroup and, and find a mark that, you know, doesn't have all of the same issues that the other one would. Okay. So, so I think I understand. So a trademark is like used for names, logos, symbols, other things that identify a company and a copyright pro uh, protects original creative work, which could, I guess, be music or writing and things like that. So I have that correct? Yes, correct. So if somebody wanted to um, apply for a, and I think most people understand the copyright, if somebody wanted to apply for a trademark for their company name, for their, their logo tagline, what is the application process like, Renee? So right now, um, what we generally do is, like I said, we do a search, you know, just an initial search to make sure that there is no direct hit that, you know, we just say, okay, this one isn't going to work and you have to start over again. Um, once we determine that it seems like it could work, then you file an application with the trademark office. So as I was saying before, you don't get just blanket rights by filing a trademark. So mm -hmm. everything is divided into these 45 classes of goods and services. So once I know, or the attorney who is handling it knows what your product or your service is, we'll go through and figure out, okay, it belongs in this class. And then you come up with a description that um, the trademark office has this, it's called a, the manual of, uh, of identification, of acceptable identifications. So you can kind of go in there and pick from what they've already deemed acceptable or you can create your own. Um, and depending on what you're doing, you know, that it may make sense to create your own. There is a cost difference though. If you go directly out of the manual, you can, they right now the, the reduce rate is $250 per class. But if you go off manual, then they charge you, it's $350 per class. Hmm. Um, so, and that has to do with at least, you know, the examiner, if it comes in as a, a they call it a T's plus application, if it comes in as T's plus, they know that the I, the description is acceptable because it's, that's how it, you know, how they've already, you know, approved these things. But so you, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, so, but then, <laughs> you know, once we file the application, um, you know, there's certain just information that all has to go into the application. The name of the applicant, um, there is a bit of a, uh, I don't, you know, an issue going on as to where you have to provide uh, an address. And it okay. used to be you, could, you could provide a PO box or um, a UPS store address or whatever you were using for your, um, your business. But now um, they're requiring a physical address. And mm. there are some ways around that. It's a bit of a pain, um, but you, know, you can get around it if, uh, if, you, if you know where to, how to do that. But so you provide all this information to the trademark office. And basically, as soon as you file, you get a serial number immediately. And that serial number follows your application and ultimately your registration through um, the entire span of your trademark's life. But right now, um, the trademark office is taking about 10 months 
oh, wow. a little bit longer, yeah, to even assign an examiner. So, um, so it's not a fast process. It used to be we could do these things in three months. Now we're at ten. That was going to be my question. It was so much of the the government and stuff getting automated. I think this is one area where it's not right. It's still application. Somebody has to look at it and and stamp it or something, right? Yeah. And what what really started to happen and what we've kind of discovered is that a few years ago, um, there was an influx of Chinese applications, applications coming from uh, either companies or individuals in China that were filing, I mean, just massive, massive amounts of trademark applications. And unfortunately, since you can do it yourself or you could do it yourself initially, um, you know, people would go in and check all of the boxes and check all of the things. Mm. So these applications were just such a mess that it would take the examiners forever to try and sort them out. So now they've actually, so they had hired over a hundred new examiners to try to deal with this influx. And now they actually do require, if you are a, an applicant who lives outside of the United States, you have to have a U.S. based attorney file your application or be listed as your attorney of record because they, they just haven't been able to catch up. And then COVID of course was just, you know, like every place else just had <laughs> that put the brakes on everything. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. wow. So fascinating. And, and it, it, it's, uh, my rule of thumb with these podcast interviews, if the half an hour goes by like that, I know it was a good interview and informative and, and, and sometimes when I talk with attorneys or, or somebody gets in the weeds or an accountant, I'm like, okay, I got to really step up here. But you did a great job. My way of saying what a what a great interview, Renee. Thank you so much. You've really distilled it into, if I can understand that, I think most people can. So why don't you give some uh, contact information if somebody wants to uh, retain your services and, and get sure. their uh, trademarks going? Sure. So probably the easiest way to reach me is either by email. Um, it's rduff. Uh, R D U F F at it's N L S dot law. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, you can go to our website too, which is NLS dot law. And there's some resources there and, um, you know, to just explaining different things. Our firm does not only, um, trademark and copyright, but we also do patent work. Um, and we have a full litigation, um, team that, you know, helps enforce and, you know, protect uh, all of those intellectual property assets. So, Well, folks, take it from me. You want Renee on your team. You don't want to get the letter from her as she represents somebody <laughs> else. So Renee, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate it. And it was great to connect with you again. Thanks, Jim. This was awesome. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my personal trademark attorney, Renee Duff. And um, you can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. Again, if you're interested in joining 26, I think, is the current membership in the Dream Business Mastermind, our, our virtual mastermind group and coaching program with me. That's dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. Remember to get a free copy of my latest book, which is Create Multiple Streams of Revenue at multiple streams of create multiple streams of revenue.com. Super easy. I should probably trademark that, but I, you know, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and remember, you can get free, you can get free copies of all of my books. This is we're now two years in. It was like May of two years ago when I made the decision to uh, work on my legacy as I kind of head toward the exit ramp in my career here. 
And um, so I made all of my books in digital form, except the latest one, Surf First. I made them all free. So obviously at Amazon, they're Kindle. You can go there and download all six of my books. At, at Barnes & Noble, uh, those are Nook books, and they're also in the iBook store. Um, so you get quite an education on me, and I still work only three days a week. So that's my bargain with the man upstairs. <laughs> I don't keep helping people. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview, which, by the way, will be from my motorhome. We're going on a week-long trip, but I will be working. So you'll see me in a big chair and a big windshield behind me, but I will be working, assuming my portable Wi-Fi works. But I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.